For me to live is Christ For me to die is gain Every moment in between There'll be joy and there'll be pain I can't worry about the future Or change a thing about my past I've got this moment to believe And I'm gonna make it last I am filled To be emptied This is Pastor Michael Rogers from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. enough of prayer. Father, we, as we open your word, we know that this is your truth that is ringing forth and it is nothing that, um, it's nothing that we have made up on our own. But Father, we are also human and we want so much for things to be the way we want them to be. And we pray, God, that in this moment you would remove Carrie and I from this teaching. Let only your truth pass through our lips. Father, if there's anything that comes out of us, no matter how witty or smart or funny uh, or wise it may seem, God, if it is our opinion, we pray that it's quickly forgotten. But if it is yours, if it rings with your truth, if it drips with your grace, then we pray, God, that it takes root in the heart of every person who hears it so that we might be transformed, changed, made new, revived, so that you may be exalted, so that you may be glorified for what your spirit is doing through your word in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. I have, uh, I've gone over a couple of different ways to think about how to do this, but I, last week we talked, uh, started talking about gratitude. And uh, one of the things we encouraged you guys to do was to think of three things each day uh, to thank God for. And uh, my buddy Keith and I have been trading our three things all week long. We've been texting each other. Here's my three things. We kind of fell into it by accident, honestly. We weren't planning it. We didn't talk after the service and say, here's what we're going to do. We just decided, uh, just, I just, at some point, I was like, you know, if I'm going to do this, I need somebody to know I'm doing it. So I sent my three to Keith, and he was like, oh, I'm so glad you did that, because I was thinking about that, too. Um, so we've been sending our three things each, each day. Now, here's the thing. You would think that I would be able to report to you after seven days of doing that. What a, what a difference it has made in my life. But here's, here's just, I'm just being honest. I'm glad I have to send those three to him. Because it literally, I, there's been two or three times where I've made a list of three and realized I was copping out and just, <laughs> I just picked three that I knew any Christian would appreciate. <laughs> and I was ready to hit the send button and I got to thinking. Are you really grateful for those things? Are you for grateful for crossing something off your list? So then I started asking myself, why is that? And I realized that it's because it, as, we, as we go through life, um, there are so many things that are happening. There's so many minutes in the day. There's so, much, so many things to do. And no matter where you are in your life, there just seems like there's so many things to do uh, that a lot of times our daily living will uh, sap our uh, gratitude. It will just cause us to not think about the attitude with which we approach a day. And if I'm the, one of the pastors and we're teaching it, 
and I'm even doing it, but I'm struggling. I can't imagine that. that I mean, don't feel bad if you're struggling with that too. Or maybe you were here last week and you got that challenge and you didn't do it all week long. Don't feel bad. Keith made me. <laughs> <clears throat> so thank you, Keith, for making me be grateful all week long. I hope I was able to do the same for you, yeah. which got me thinking, that's why we need a body of believers. We need people to help us along the way because when we hear a good word from God and we say, man, I need to make that change in my life, daily living begins to sap our ability to follow through. So we need the constant reminder of someone who is in our camp, in our corner, who is believing the same things we're believing and trying the same things we're trying and helping each other to get better at what we're doing. Here is the consider question. We always have a consider question for you. This is not for you to share with anybody. This is for you to just think about for yourself as you think about what I was just talking about. Um, and our consider question today, we'll give you about 10 or 15 seconds to think about it, is how much does Jesus have to do for you to be grateful? How much does he have to do for you for you to be grateful? All right, we are going to be in Luke today. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And I am so excited because I love this story. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. It too. is one of my favorites, so I'm supercharged. Um, Luke chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible, there's one underneath your table. You can grab that, or you can pull it up on your Version app, Y-O-U version. It's a free app that you can download. We're going to be in the New Living Translation today. Um, Luke chapter 17. Um, so as we get into our passage for the day, it's important to remember that this story comes in the midst of a larger section of Luke that details Jesus's journey up to Jerusalem. And as he's traveling, we see him interacting with all kinds of people. Okay. Um, but today we're introduced to 10 new characters. <clears throat> it's an unlikely mix of people. It's Jewish and Samaritan lepers who approach Jesus in hopes that he might help them. So let's look. Let's start in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. If you're there, say amen. Amen. You have to bear with Michael and I. Our voices are still recovering yes. Yes. Um, from being sick a few weeks back. So I apologize for that, but we'll get through it, right, babe? That's right. <laughs> All right, beginning in verse 11. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. <coughs> Verse 14, what did Jesus do first? He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And as and Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith 
has healed you. Amen. Your faith has healed you. Yes. So one of the things that, um, as, a, as a writer myself, one of the things that I do when I look at a story like this is I start, <clears throat> start thinking about uh, the perspective of one of the characters. And uh, so I'm looking at this story. A couple of things to know is that Jesus was originally from Nazareth. And if you remember, when he very first came on the scene, one of his disciples, Nathaniel, said, can anything good come from Nazareth? And one of the reasons was because Nazareth was in Galilee, which meant it was backwater. But it was also not too far away from the Samaritan border. And the Samaritans were people who were uh, half-bloods. They were half-Jewish, half-Gentile. And so the Jewish people looked down on them for that because in the covenant, God had said not to mix those races because he wanted to make sure that you could recognize the Messiah. It had nothing to do with a slight against the Gentiles. It had everything to do with being able to recognize Jesus. But the Jews had turned that into a racial situation where they did not like the Samaritans especially, and they didn't like Gentiles. So I'm looking at this, and there's 10 lepers and they're traveling around together nine of them Jew are jews and one of them is a samaritan and let's talk about the fact that they have leprosy too <clears throat> yes. on top of everything else right so basically those folks who who were lepers at the time were not only diseased but they were also disqualified from living normal active lives um and it really was a, tr a truly awful way to live and so there was, there was one commentator that said these diseased people or lepers were forced to live in isolated communal settings where all normal social barriers were removed. And there were even some rabbis that taught that it was a divine illness sent by God because they had sinned. Right. Right. And it's because of the time they didn't, they didn't understand what we know, right, about, about disease and how things spread and all of those things. But... It was not a good situation. Yes, yeah, so not a good situation. So that's what would cause nine Jews and a Samaritan to travel together or to be in community together is that they, uh, their leprosy disqualified uh, the Jews from any of the ceremonial things that you might do as a Jew. They couldn't go to the temple. They couldn't celebrate. They couldn't be at right. Sabbath. They couldn't. Oh, they couldn't be in synagogues. There was, there were so many things they could not do. So when. Jesus comes along, and I think Jesus passes by this way on purpose. And he sees these ten, and they start shouting out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. There is a, the, 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 the phraseology they're using in the Greek is them saying, it's actually almost a recognition of Christ's divinity. And they're saying, Master, you own us. You are the one who has the right to decide what to do with us. And when they say have mercy on us, they're actually pointing to the covenant that they've been kept out of. And they're saying, allow us to be a part of the covenant again. Master, you're the one who gets to decide. Could you possibly make it so that we can be part of the covenant again by removing this leprosy from us? And they probably knew who he was. They recognized yes. him. Yes. There had been many healings, so they probably knew who he was. They knew he was a rabbi, if nothing else. Right? And so they're seeing him, and they're... When you're desperate, what do you do? You reach out to anyone who's willing to help, right? Right. But here's the thing. The Samaritan would already be disqualified. 
So in, in my mind, this Samaritan is not crying out. As a matter of fact, he would pro they would probably be ashamed because he doesn't get to be part of the covenant. He already broke the covenant by intermingling. And so he shouldn't even get to say a word. And so I wonder if he's traveling with these other nine or, or in community with these other nine because he has no choice. The leprosy makes that possible. But of all the people there, he's the one who has the least voice. So when they say, have mercy on us, restore us to the covenant, he's probably fully expecting Jesus, if he heals anyone at all, to heal the nine and leave him. So Jesus turns and he looks at all ten of them. You know, when we read these things, we hurry the story. I think Jesus looked in every single pair of eyes. I think he took his time and he made sure that he acknowledged all of them. And I wonder, I don't, I can't prove this, but I wonder if maybe the Samaritan was last. And then he says, go show yourselves to the priest. And that's important, isn't it? It is because back then we know that leprosy sometimes would go into remission. And so if you had that and it went into remission, you may have thought that you had been healed or that it, you had recovered from it. And so what they would do is they would go to the priests and say, look, I'm healed, I'm recovered, I'm whole. And then the priest would say, okay, have my blessing. You can go back into society. So that was huge, right? right? right. So two things. One, it says Jesus looked at him. I just want to encourage you all, when you're reading the scriptures, anytime it says Jesus looked or Jesus saw, <laughs> underline it. Underline yes. it in, yes. your, in your Bible. Yes. Because I don't think Jesus just looks. Yeah. I think when he looks, he sees. Yeah. He notices you. You know what I mean? Yes. He sees. Yes. And that's the difference. Not only is he seeing you, but he's also assessing the situation. Mm -hmm. What is the best way to approach this, this person that I am that has come into my path? Right? And he's looking and he's assessing and he's seeing that person. But he says, go show yourselves to the priests, which is something that they all know. Why would we do that? Yeah. We're not... We're not healed. We're still in We're our still, leprosy. Yeah, so why would we go? But what did they do? It doesn't say they argued with Jesus, right? Yeah. It doesn't say, well, you don't know what you're talking about, Rabbi. The, the priests are not going to talk to us because we're full of, of sickness. He's not going to tell. He's not going to do that. That's not what they do. It says, and they went. Yeah. They did it out of their faith. They truly believed that he had the power, that he was the master, and that he could heal them. And so they did what he said. And they and, went. And as they went. And as they went, they were cleansed. They were cleansed of their, of their, leprosy. Rest, their leprosy. Now That's imagine, right. okay, imagine you're that Samaritan. And you're fully expecting the nine to be healed. And he looks at you and he says, go show yourselves to the priests. And you would be excluded from that anyway. But you have this opportunity right now. Someone, a rabbi, has told you to go show yourself to the priests. And so you are going, you know what? I, I'm, just going to, I'm just going to say yes. I don't know if it'll even work for me. Probably will work for the other nine. But I don't know if it'll work for me. I'm just going to say yes. And he turns toward Jerusalem. And the leprosy disappears 
Here is a man who is used to being racially put down. He's used to being socially an outcast. He's used to being on the outside of his religion. He's used to being nothing. Mm -hmm. And in one fell swoop, with just a few words and a miracle, Jesus brings him into community with him. Nothing more important than that happened to him that day or any day thereafter. Nothing could cause him to be more grateful than that. In that moment, Jesus not only healed his body, Jesus healed everything inside of him. And he suddenly mattered. So is it any wonder that that's the one that turns to Jesus and falls on his face and praises God for that moment when he received what he thought was impossible? Mm -hmm. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we all spiritually are leprous without him. Mm -hmm. And we are on the outside. And we are not a part of the community until he notices us. And he tells us, put your faith in me and I'll bring you home. The question really is, is my trust in God strong enough that I can act on what he says even before I see evidence that it will work? That's a huge thing to ask, isn't it? Can I trust enough that he's gonna do what he says he's gonna do before I even know it's gonna work? Um, I know for Michael and I just being here and standing here in Ardmore, Oklahoma. <laughs> not that we should get a pat on the back. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is when God called us out of a ministry that was thriving and growing in Burlington, Indiana, mm -hmm. and said, I want you to go plant a ministry, not a church, a ministry yes. in Ardmore, Oklahoma. And we went, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oklahoma, where's Oklahoma? <laughs> I think right? we said no for two years. Yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> but we are standing here right now because we trust that God has a plan and yes. a purpose for this ministry. Yes. We trust that. We believe that he's going to fulfill that. Yes. Right? And in the same way, this man who was the lowest of the low trusted that God would answer his prayers. And this is where we learn that gratitude, right? As we go into the story, he's the one that came back, the only one who came back right. and thanked Jesus for what he had done. This is where we find out that gratitude is intentional. We learned that last week, and this is just showing it. Gratitude takes focus, it takes intention, it takes practice, and it takes care. Gratitude requires us to be present and aware of what's going on around us. As we're about to, as we saw, only one of those ten lepers was intentional about coming back to Jesus. 
So they're excited, they're whooping, they're hollering, and all of a sudden he realizes, wait a minute, I gotta go back. Yeah. I gotta go back and thank the one who healed me. Yes. Physically healed me. Remember, I, I'm gonna say physical on purpose. Right. Right? Physically healed me. Because why? Because then when we later further on go down, right? We go down to verse 19. And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Yes. In that moment, he'd already healed him physically. He was healing him on the inside. He was making him whole. Yes. And we've talked about in the jar here that we believe in the power of healing. We've seen it. We've seen God heal cancer. Amen. We've seen a God heal a child who wasn't probably going to make it. We've seen that in our own ministry in the yes. past. Yes. And we know it can happen. But we've also said many times, when God heals, it's not just the physical. It's also internally and on, in, on the inside. And once again, this Jesus is showing that here. Yeah, so, and he says, stand up and go. So it's important. So stand up is, okay, thank you for the praise. But I have work for you to do. Stand up. And when he says go, that word means to journey. It means to travel your life. It's the same word go that is used in Matthew 28 when he tells his disciples, go therefore into all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching all that I have commanded. Um, it's the same kind of go. So he's not saying, okay, you're done. He's saying your journey has just started. You're whole now. Mm -hmm. And this man who is a Samaritan, guess where he's going to go? into that terrible place, Samaria, <laughs> where all those racially um, de deficient people are. And he's gonna tell them that God healed him through Jesus Christ. And he's gonna be able to um, bring the gospel with gratitude into an area where his disciples later are gonna have a hard time going into. Mm -hmm. right. Because Jesus never just came for one group of people. He always came Forever. for all of us. That's right. And I want to say too, I mean, the other nine men may have and may have grown their faith. We don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us that. But the difference between those nine men and this particular man is that it's he has the gratitude that he has. Being thankful allowed his gratitude to further develop his faith, right? So through our gratitude, we grow. We grow. It's not just an understanding of God's grace, an understanding that he, he may have healed you, but it's also developing your faith, right? When we go through circumstances or trials or God heals us physically in some form or fashion or whatever or answers somebody else's prayer, what does that do? It strengthens our trust in him and it develops our faith. Right, so gratitude, we grow, and we understand more and more about who God is and how much he loves us. And you know, it's always more dynamic when you see somebody healed physically, but we know that God wants us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and so he wants us to have possession of all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so, yes, it is dramatic when he heals us uh, physically, because we can see the effects of that. But I'm always amazed when hearts and souls and minds are healed and starting to see the effects of that 
in the lives, not only in the lives of the people who are healed of the things that have kept them back, whether it's addiction or just wrong thinking or bad relationships or bad choices or sin nature or whatever it is, um, and they start changing and you start seeing a difference in their attitude, in their thought process, in their decision making, and you start seeing that, that is just as dramatic and just as miraculous and has greater impact for eternity. And it's interesting to me that often that gratefulness and that healing go hand in hand. They, right. they happen together. It's not, it, so yes, I'm grateful because of the healing, but because I'm grateful, there's more healing that can happen. And most of the time when our bodies are healed, we're like, okay, we're done until the next illness comes along. Um, but because we all, we have a certain number of years, we get to live on this earth unless Jesus comes back, which I, I, I'm starting to wonder if I'm hearing the echo of trumpets already. But um, regardless of whether he comes back this year or in a thousand years, watching how he changes eternity for people through healing their hearts and souls and minds is a greater miracle to me than anything he could do to a physical body. So if nothing else today, we want you guys to know that gratitude and healing, go ahead and add that to the screen, baby. Gratitude and healing go hand in hand. So many times we get focused on the seek, the knock and seek part, right? In our churches, is, and I'm talking to the believers now, already believers right now, I'm talking to you. Sometimes we get so focused on the seek first, right? It says knock and the door shall be opened seek and you shall find and we get so focused on that that sometimes we forget that maybe we've missed part of the process i'm not saying it's not okay to ask right it's okay to ask god for things but there's also a type we have to remember that we've got just like we learned last week we've got to tie gratitude in with our asking king david did it over and over and over again in the scriptures right and so He's reminding us here that cry out to me when you need me. Seek me and you will find me. But remember to be grateful when you do it too. That's part of the process. The Lord's Prayer, like we talked about last week, shows us that. Jesus, how do we pray? And he starts out, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's thanking his Father for who he is. So always be thankful, but also then come and say, Lord, I need your help. Uh Then seek and knock, right? Now, I'm not saying that God's not going to answer your prayers if you don't in that moment say thank you. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is if you're an already believer, don't forget the gratitude part. Because sometimes we think we get into that, and I do it sometimes too, that Jesus is our Santa Claus. We come to him and we ask, 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 ask. Daddy, 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 daddy. Abba, 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 Abba. But the truth is, sometimes we forget to say thank you to him for the things that we already have. And last week we talked about there were 10 things that science proves that, that we, that's good for our bodies when we say thank you. And then we talked about five things that you could do to say thank you throughout the week. Right. And so just doing those things. And sometimes it's hard to know when to say thank you. Sometimes we have a hard time figuring out what to say thank you for. Right. Sometimes some weeks are just they just are they're bad and you don't know what to say thank you for. And we taught last week 
that you should be intentional and if nothing else, start with when you're when your your three things of gratitude, start with thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for caring for me, no matter who I am and what happens. Start with Jesus and then go from there. That's why in uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.13 it says, Therefore we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. So that realizing that that is God speaking and saying it is time for you to, to know who Jesus is and saying yes to him is just the beginning. His word continues to work in you after that. And we could be grateful for that. But here's my concern is that we like, we can sit and look at this story and think of those nine and think, man, what were they thinking? But how often are we in the same place where we have prayed the prayer and we have seen the answer, but we have forgotten to stop and thank him for what he has done. And I think there's value. And that's why I say we think gratitude and healing go hand in hand is because when we notice and we see and we give him glory for it, then he wants us he wants us to have opportunities to give him more and more glory, not because he's a, an egomaniac and he needs to hear that, but because he actually um, wants others to know who he is. And when we praise him for what he's done, people start recognizing that this is an extraordinary God who moves in real life. So in 2 Corinthians 4, verse... Uh, 14. 15, 14 through 14. 14 and 15. Mm -hmm. Okay. It says, we know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present, present us to himself together with you. And all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. You know what comes to my mind when I read that? What's that? Uh, the upcoming holidays. Oh, yeah. When we get together with our family and all our kids come home. Oh, man, it's so loud in there. I, saw, oh, I feel yeah, so bad true. for our neighbors. <laughs> when all four of our children come home, it gets loud up in the Rogers household. It gets loud because three of our four children are extroverted. Yeah. So they all get together, and, they, and now they're all, you know, living all spread out everywhere, one in Houston, one in Austin, one in Indianapolis, and then one here. So they all get together, and the decimals in the Rogers household go through the roof. They, they all talk as much as the, their mother. Right. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> right? And so I am super excited for... Now, we're not going to have all of our kids this Thanksgiving. Pray for this mama, because it's the first Thanksgiving where one of my children is not coming home. <laughs> Adult children. Um, but Christmas, they're all coming home. And I am super excited for that, because I cannot wait for the sounds. As loud as it is, it just makes this mama's heart so happy. And I think about God being our Abba, being our daddy, right? And when we gather together and we reach more and more people, like it says here in 2 Corinthians, it says there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. So every time we baptize somebody in that pool, every time somebody says yes to Jesus, we're praying for number nine. Yeah. Yep. We're still praying for number nine. Yeah. And when that happens, I want y'all to whoop. Yeah. That's that right? fun. Absolutely. Because that's what it is when God's glory is shown. It's Thanksgiving. 
It's Thanksgiving and Christmas and birthday and New Year's and Fourth of July all rolled up into one. And there is great Thanksgiving. I don't even think the word great there is, that's not fair. It should be like a bigger word than great. Um, but that's, that's the beauty and the healing that comes when we come to the foot of our master. So here's what it looks like uh, to be number nine, is to recognize with gratitude that there is someone who has recognized that you are sick and tired and that you need rest and that you need someone to notice. And Jesus comes along and he looks at you and he says, I see you. All you have to do is turn and go the way that I'm asking you to go. Put your faith in me and I will heal you. Now, stand up, go. Your faith has made you well. And if we do that, what else does God have to do for us for us to be grateful? How much more can we ask of him? He loves it when we ask him for things. But we should never get to the place where we say, well, God, I know you saved my soul, but you didn't answer this prayer. So I'm really upset at you right now. And God says, all I did was give you eternity. But okay, let me see what I can do. Let us instead be a grateful people who help to bring healing to the people around us. Be filled with gratefulness so that we might show the world that this extraordinary God moves in real life. Gratitude is attractive. (laughs) Yes. It is attractive. Yes. So with this in mind, let's take some time to focus our attention and all that God has done for us and for you. Allow some space for the healing power of gratitude to soak over you today. Yes. As we go into a time of reflection, this is a time for communion. And we learned last week that communion actually means Thanksgiving. Right? We're praising God for all that he has done in our relationship with him. So if you are an already believer and you want to take communion, we've got those available. We can pass those out. Um, If you just need to pray or if you just need to be still and be silent and say, all I can think of is that I'm grateful for you, Jesus, and help me with everything else. Yes. Right? We're going to take that time. Nathan, if you'll cue up the song, we're going to be doing Gratitude by Brandon Lake. We're going to be doing this all month for reflection. This song is just perfect. There's no other perfect song. And this one for this series um, through the rest of this month. If you need prayer, you can come to Carrie here in the front. You can come to me in the back. Or you can reach to your neighbor and say, pray for me. That's right. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Jar with Pastors Michael and Carrie Rogers. If you're a believer in Christ looking for an opportunity to learn how to be a disciple maker... Come see us at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Our regular gatherings start on Sundays at 4 p.m., so you can still make it to see us today. Hope to see you soon. I am filled.